The second today to actually record. Because, psh, you know, you get over 37 in your brain. Uh, I want to share something quite unique with you guys this morning, and it's maybe a little bit different to what we normally do, but um, this week I was just. We were on holiday this week, or the staff on holiday as well. And um, Wednesday, as per normal, Chantal says to me, right, what's your sermon title? We're going to do this after we get in here. I mean, I looked at it on Wednesday morning, I said to baby, I haven't got a clue what it is that I need to minister. Now you've got to understand, normally after I minister on a Sunday, by this evening, I probably, I normally have a word for next week already. And so, then I ponder on that word for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we what God is saying. But in any case, I said to Chantal, listen, love, I actually haven't got anything. I, I don't know what to minister on. Chantal just said to me, tell you what, I'm going to put something out. I'm not going to title it. She says, but I believe God will give you a word that is better for the weekend. I love my wife a lot. But when it got to Friday night and I still haven't got a word, a man got to tell what it was And um, on Saturday morning, I woke up at 5 o'clock and went to the bathroom and I came back and um, I fell asleep. And I had the, the weirdest dream. I don't remember this, you know. They say young people, young people, but the TV is old people dreams, you know. Um, but I, I don't normally remember dreams, but I remember this dream so clearly. And it was that somebody asked me to do the funeral service of a pastor that I know. And all I remember is telling myself we were extremely exhausted at the time. We were, we were so tired, we physically couldn't keep our eyes open. They brought us into this, into this massive, like, almost like a church cathedral. Uh, and we were almost like on a balcony. And, and we were looking down. And one day there was a wing that gave us there were big areas. And I was like this. And then there was a wing going that way. But the church was absolutely endless. And, and I stood back and I, and I said to Chantal, what's happening? Who's in charge? What is it that I need to do? And, and I remember looking over the church and, and to the right in the back corner was all the, the religious people, you know, they were sitting with their arms crossed. They weren't happy um, that this Pentecostal was doing the service for them, you know. And then, and then we had a bunch of guys in front of us that they were just you know, having a great party in the church and there was just noise everywhere and we had youngsters on the one side, they were all swimming in the baptismal pond and absolute, just absolute chaos all over the place, you know, just madness. And, and I remember just looking and saying, like, what's going on? Like, what's happening in this dream? Like, what is this dream about? You know, it's like madness. I'm not getting to serve the word. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm, nobody's calling me up to do the funeral. The funeral isn't starting. It's just, it's like a marketplace. I remember one stage looking down, and I, I see from it, as it down, I see from it. And I said, so I, I don't know, I'm going to have to preach without shoes on. I've got no idea what this means. And I um, woke up from this dream and very rattled and thinking, sure, God, what are, you, what are you saying to me in this dream? Because for some reason, I just knew that it was a word that God had given me in season, you know. Um, and... Uh, Coming from Victoria Park High, I wasn't very educated, so, you know, I've really got to, I've got to work through some stuff, and no, I'm joking. Um, and uh, so I went back to sleep, 
This must have been about 6 o'clock. I went back to sleep again after trying to think what God is saying to me. And uh, I woke up at half past six. And Adam woke up at half past six. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And God just said, Mom, you see you in And we all know the story. I'm going to read it to you now. The story of the ten virgins. Actually, let me read it to you. I want you to, to hear what the word says this morning. But I also want you to hear what God has said to, to you this morning in the season that you're in. All right. Um, so, so Matthew 25 says like this. He says, Then the kingdom of heaven, listen carefully, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now if you just look at that scripture, you turn to Matthew 19, alright, and you look at Matthew, uh, sorry, Revelation 19 verse 7, it says this, it says, And let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So it speaks about the end times, it speaks about you, you being the bride, you being the wife. And the Word of God says that Christ is going to return when you are ready. Listen to this. But it carries on in the Scripture and it says this. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. He says, those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil with their vessels and their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and fell asleep. At midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the groom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give me some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, um, said saying, No, lest we should not be enough for us, but you, but go rather to, you should rather go to those who sell and buy yourselves some oil. And while they were buying, the bridegroom alive arrived, and those who were ready went in with him, and they shut the door behind him. After the, after the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said to him, I surely I say to you, I do not know you. So the scripture spiritually simply speaks this morning about, the, he's speaking about the church, and he's speaking about you and I. And he's speaking about the ten virgins, and you all know right now that Christ is soon to return. Well, we've been saying that he is. But we know that Christ is soon to return. You and I understand the fact that we've got to prepare our hearts and, our, and prepare our lives to be received into the kingdom of God. And the word of God says a simple thing in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have eternal life. And so the word that is a gift of eternal life that is offered to you and I. But the interesting story about this, this scripture is this, is that we can say that all came were Christians. All came were ready to meet the bride, the bridegroom. All ten of them had the lamps. All ten of them had prepared to come and to the wedding banquet to meet the groom. The problem is the word of God says a very simple thing. He says this, he said that only five of them brought enough oil along. And let's just break that down quickly. Alright? He says this, verse 3 says, And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wives took oil in their vessels and in their lamps. 
and when we speak about the oil of God, we can't speak about, I'm going to say, what I want to speak about is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life. We come into a society right now where the world's dictating more and more to us of what we should be like. Do you know that 25 years ago, the world was frowned upon? Now you the world when you are there. Many, many years ago, a lot of things that you and I now entertain was not legal, was not even allowed in society. We couldn't accept it stuff. But yet the media and the world and mainstream and everything around us quietly but surely has started to guide you and I. And if you think about this right now, if you think about what you believed in 30 years ago in compared to what you will tolerate now, I don't think you're thinking. How different is your thinking? And somewhere along the road, down the road, the world somehow is actually broke the very fabric of our society as it is. How many of you, 25 years ago, this year, the only people that stood outside the hall during its assembly was the young workers? Because they didn't want to be part of what God was doing. Today we're having a God Christianity in schools. How did we fall that far so fast? How do we get to a place where there is no longer the Bible and Christianity in schools? None of it. I know Christian schools where there's hardly any Christianity in it. The only part about a Christian school that's Christian is the name. The Christian is the name. And you and I are slowly and surely allowing who we are, what we are, what we believe, and what God has called us to, to start to change slowly but truly. Because the minute that you come up against anything that the world says, you have some kind of phobia. You don't have an opinion anymore. That it doesn't matter what your opinion is, you still get to disagree with the world. And you cannot voice your opinion because then there's some kind of a problem with you. You can't stand for what you believe in. The churches are slated all over the place and, and, and you know what, the, the gospel is going down. Do you know that they say in America 2,600 pastors are putting the ministry daily. Do you know what every single church in America We all see these mega churches and we see these Benny Ings and that. Do you know what every attendance of a church in America is right now? <laughs> Look around you. How many churches do you write off on a Sunday morning? There are five or six or seven pastors in that time. Churches that just be on fire for God. Churches that just be vibrant. How many of you sitting here used to be on fire for God? Hey? Okay. Used to be praying in the city. Used to believe in the lost in Christ. Used to be part of the youth ministry. Used to be part of the Sunday school ministry. Used to be part of the men's ministry. You were part of the prayer group. You're part of the worship team. You're part of the media side. And all of a sudden, we come into this place in church life where we're becoming so complacent that the word of God isn't even important to us anymore. Are you praying as much as you used to? I really hope they are. 
Are you studying, not me, are you studying the word as much as you used to? Or if we just come into a place of society where we are simply existing, believing that we are believers. You see, that's where the word separates the wise and the foolish. That out of the ten people, there what is there, he's saying there are, there are five of them that are still into the word of God. They still believe everything that God says is yes and amen. They still believe that the word of God is truth. That he's the son of God, that he died and rose again. That we can believe what we can believe and we can say what we say. Why? Because our faith and our hope and our trust and our love is in him. But then the word of God says there's five virgins in this place that you've not so good You didn't bring any oil with. You know, I've got this, this terrible habit in my life. I've got this terrible thing in my life called the swimming pool that I built for the kids. They no longer live with me. Alright? And the thing is a freaking nightmare. Because Chantal is not being a water person. I let it shower. And I mean, do I look like a swimmer? I dive on the one side, I float the other side, I float back and I get out, I'm done. But I've got this thing that somehow I managed to keep that pH balance on that pool just like an edge. So it looks good. But the minute I have a, we have a storm, the minute we have a cloudburst, the minute the wind picks up, guess what? That pool has green up first. It's because I'm just keeping it maintained. Stop. It's not even in good condition, it just maintains. And I feel like this is our Christian life for so many of us. That all we do is maintain right now. As long as I can get a ticket to get to heaven, that's okay. If I believe each scripture today, and I pray today, morning, Holy Spirit, thank you for my life, thank you for my kids, that's good enough. But even worse, like a God in need is a God in need. So we don't really sit here until the four points of pain. And then the more we live is not Jesus. The scripture carries on and it says this. Verse 6, he says that at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the groom is coming, go out to meet him. And then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, Answer said, No, lest we should not have enough for ourselves. You know what the scripture is saying there? That you cannot give yourself anything to anybody else. You know the word of God says, work out your own salvation with everything you Your life is not going to be judged on how hard you are on Sunday. Your life is not going to be judged on how much your mother prayed for you. Or how much your wife begged God for your salvation. Your life is not going to be judged about the fact that you're going to do what you need to You, every one of you in this room, is going to be accountable for his own life. I know there are some religions that believe that if their loved ones go to a middle place and in the middle place you can still pray them near, near, You can't. You can't. It's your life. It's your calling. It's your purpose that God has. And we always speak about the in church, have you noticed lately, that we don't speak about heaven and hell anymore. Because you might be afraid of because we live in a society now that believes that all roads all road lead to the same God. We're just doing different paths. No. 
No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Simple. Muhammad is not Jesus' brother or second cousin. He's dead. He's in a tomb. Not all roads lead to heaven. And we want to get a society where, you know, what we're living on now is really hell because heaven is up there. But hell is just a state of mind. Hell is not a state of mind. Hell is a real place. Now, I've got the atheist friends. Yes, I've got atheist friends, believe it or not. And my atheist friends, the first question I want to say to you is this that why would loving God send people that love the Bible? How many have had that question answered? It's very simple. If we just turn the page, Jesus gives us the answer in 26, 25. Listen to this. He says, he says this. 25, I want you to mark this. Verse 31. The Son of Man comes in His glory and the holy angels with Him, that He will sit on the throne of glory, and all nations will be gathered before Him, and he will separate them one from another as a sheep divides his goats. A sheep and goats. And he will set the sheep on the right side and he will put the goats on the left side. But listen to this. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come in, blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for. He never prepared hell for you. He never prepared hell for mankind. The word of God says clearly that he prepared heaven for you. The only thing on his mind was that everyone of us was born and we would be born into the kingdom and we would soon be faithful and when we die, we would be heaven with you. The word of God says that simple. That the only thing that he prepared for you was a place for heaven. Now look at this. Now we go to verse 30, verse mm, 41. He says, he's speaking about the devil, and he says this. And then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into an everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. Who are not the real? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go to the, to the listening side. Who are not the real? The devil and his demons. Who was ever prepared for? You. You see, it's not a loving God that is sending people to hell. He's a loving God that is giving you freedom of choice that you can choose. Saunas or shops. <laughs> it's where you can choose whether you like cricket or rugby. Everything in your life has free choice. And even when it comes to the things of God, you have a free choice whether you worship you or whether you don't. You see, a loving God cannot force you to love Him. How would your marriage be if you, thank God, if your wife forces you to love Him? Think about it. That if you had a wife that forced you to love Him, it's not on both sides. And God says, you guys are going to keep this. You're missing what I'm saying to you. He says, be prepared in all seasons because the word of God says we don't know the day or the hour that Christ is to return. You know what I know that the Roman church is not ready for the return of Christ? 
Because the minute that you and I need a wobble in life, our lives fall to pieces and somehow we think we need to blame you. Because somehow we've moved away from worshipping an all-powerful, all-creative God to a genie in a bottle. Oh Lord, please can you sort out my finances for me? Oh Lord, can you please heal my sickness and disease? You see, the word of God says that if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you're a new person, you're a new spirit, you're a new person. How many of you are in Christ and how many of you are on the verge? How many of you are you going to turn green as soon as the storm is? As soon as the storm is? When things go wrong, do you run from God or do you run to God? You know, there's an old saying, I've said it now before. A God indeed is a God in need. That's where we are. I remember school, not only textbooks and, you know, like boys do we do. And then we took a ride with Dad. And then I promised God that I was going to be good for the rest of my life. And it just made me pass biology. Hey? And I just thought, you know, God, I love you so much. You know, you're my everything. And I did my 33 and a third percent, 30%, I would have got a 60 for 30%. 33 and a third percent, and we're happy, and guess what? We never speak to him again until the next exam. You see, that's you. The word says that you're one of those powerful virgins. And when hard times come, you're not going to make it. You see, the oil of God is the word of God in your life. The oil of God is your relationship with God. The oil of God is the presence of in nature, the person of God planted inside of you. You know what I love about the scripture? I love about the scripture because the very next verse, in verse from verse 42, you know what Jesus starts to speak about? He starts to speak about our people. When he gave one by one day, You see, somehow along the line, Jesus added those two together. He said, one, that your lamp has to be full. And the second thing is, that if your lamp is really full, you should be doing the purpose of the plan when you back to your life. You see, you can tell me that you're a university fighter. You can tell me that you're trying to gym every single day, and you beat up all the bags, and you're really good on the ball. And you physically are a sick or You know what? You're not a fighter until you get to the river. You see, it's great to have God in our lives. It's great to have the calling and the purpose and the plan of God upon our lives. It's called great to always blame God for when things go wrong. The problem in life is very simple. Is this that it's your choice? Are you sure, God? I cannot change that. You know, I can see the big songs in the world, and you and I, you're all in motion up there. But let me tell you something. If it doesn't change who you are, then it's a song. If this doesn't change your life, it's just a book. 
It's just a book. Your prayer doesn't change your life, it's just something that you do. We're living in a time, we're living in a time church where things are not going to get easier, they're going to get harder. We're living in a time where finance is not going to all of a sudden take your bond from 11 We're living in a time where car prices aren't going to come down and blah, 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 and houses aren't going to come down. Things are going to get tougher out there. You see, Jeremiah 12, 5 says a very simple thing. I love the scripture. And he says that if you run with me on foot and they warn you out, how will you have to compete horses? That if you run with me on foot and they warn you out, how will you compete with horses? That if we are falling apart in a nation that every one of us here live in a brick house, that every one of us is going to run in water and flush in toilets for most of us, except those who are rain. But think about it. Most of you are not at Most of you are And we can't pay one credit card and we fall to pieces because God is punishing us for something. The washing machine breaks and people come and say, I'm telling you, Pastor Kurt, I'm cursed. No, you don't want to really get the washing machine. If a washing machine pushes you over the edge, if a bad financial month pushes you over the edge, if one fight with your kid or your wife pushes you over the edge, how are you going to compete with the toughies that are still coming? Because the art of my coming. And I'm not going to be a daily downright, I'm not going to be a through, I'm not speaking about a prophet, but let me tell you something, your life might not get harder, but standing up your faith is going to pick up the hardest thing in your life. Our government is at the head, fighting Israel against our government. I don't even know. All I'm saying is this that every action has a consequence. That if you want to do something to somebody, take into account what the public person that will be. You will see my genocide. We lose 160,000 people through murder in this country, and our government is sitting in that heat because they've got 20,000 people in a war. The word of God says, Woe to the man that will speak against Israel. Listen to me. I don't want to get political with you this morning, but I think we'll get the stuff into our head. Because what comes out of our mouths does not line up with the word of God in our lives. You know, in Revelation here, when some of the word of God says that if you lukewarm, I will spew, I will spit you out of my mouth. 90% of you in this room right now are lukewarm about so much in your mouth. 
Abortion was illegal a couple of years ago. Some of you are thinking, oh, it's not a bad idea about that. No sexuality is the question. Marriage, the very holiness of marriage is the question. You know what the new thing is now? We don't want to get the, the uh, we don't want to get married, we just want to be life partners. Life partners. And some of us say to the Shimgar, oh that's a really good idea. No, it's not. The word of God says the house divided will fall. I'll stop now because I'm back in the cages. But I want to ask you, what is it that you believe? And you believe it wholeheartedly. You see, in, in this little society right now, where your yes is to be yes and your no is to be no, you cannot sit on the fence. Stop, you can't speak about exactly what they say, the lots of us. Okay? Like, you'll just get into whatever side of the face is there, but this is on the face. We don't want to make any decisions. We don't want to pull people out of the news. We don't want to pull people what's going on around us. We don't want to open up our hearts to people. You know why? Because we scare the people to call us under what we believe. I think we're coming into a time in our life, in the life of church, where God is about to do incredible stuff in your life. Listen to me. I believe that we're coming into a season in this, where God is going to see signs, wonders and miracles happen at your hands. But you know, Matthew 16 says a very simple thing. He says, to those who believe... To those who believe, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will be well. You will be poisoned all over the world. You will start that home and see my name. To those who believe. What do you believe? What do you believe? You see, the problem in closing is this that this has not become the most important thing in our lives, fellowship being one to another. This has become another social event. This is just something we do on a Sunday. No, it's not something we do on a Sunday. It's something we come to do on a Sunday. We come to do it in, in spirit and truth. That is why you're here. You're here because you love God all your heart. It's a sign of acknowledgement that Father, I'm coming to your heart. Say, well, you're going to 100% right. 100% right. But where else are you going to find like minded people that will grow your vision and your purpose will go? In the bar? At the rugby stadium? At work? This is where we grow. This is where we love each other. This is where we work with each other. This is where we work with each other for the short form. This is where we grow. That is why we gather. But more than that, we gather because of him and for him. Because all of God, he's the object of our worship. He's the reason why you and I 
gather in this house. And I want to land on that simple. That you're either on the side of the wise virgins, or you're on the side of the foolish virgins. You're either on the side that you're just on the edge, or you're on the side where you've totally sold out to him. Can I say something to I don't want to pick in But 2024, I believe with all my heart, is the year that God is calling the man to leave, leave in the church like I did before. I believe that this year we will see such an influx of fathers and grandfathers and young men in this church that will outnumber the women of 23. I really do. I believe God has raised up again like never before. Do you know that 95% of families come to Christ if the husband gets saved first? Do you know that only 28% of parents come to church if the wife gets saved first? Not that they're bad evangelists. 28%. And it may not be just Christ, 95% of parents come. Men, you need your and you know who they will follow? One that is awakened. One that is awakened. One that is full of the love of Jesus. One that knows the word of God. And one that lives out what he says he will love. Let your yes be your yes. If you know, you know, you're not going to come up. Can you stand?